Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joined now by David Locke, who went a long way to New York for the NBA draft. And shortly after he got on a plane, the Jazz announced they were trading the 12th pick. So, I'll bet this qualifies as one of your more memorable draft picks, David. It was an interesting draft. It was quite a fascinating first round for a draft in which nothing happened for the team I care about. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, from a standpoint of a Utah Jazz, I think uh, the Bees, you know, big three-run home run to go take a 10-4 lead that happened sometime during the second round might have been the biggest event of the night. Uh, before we get to the Jazz and what they did at the end of the second round, let's talk about some of the things that happened in the first round that caught people's attention. Orlando and Oklahoma City made a trade, uh, and it was a big one. There were a lot of big names. Uh, who won? Who lost? What's the logic for both clubs? It's really, it's a wild deal. Uh, Oklahoma City has found a way to kind of continually acquire these uh, these young players that were drafted in the top five that their teams have given up on. You know, now they've done it with Cantor and Waiters and now Victor Oladipo. They probably deserve some credit for that. Uh, it might be a little bit of a foreshadowing that they learned how they want to play in the playoffs when they went small and that they're going to, Try to do that more often would be the one thought. A little surprised that Ibaka's heading out, but Ibaka kind of had an up-and-down season, and clearly maybe that uh, relationship has come to an end uh, in the way that they, you know, where they were. I, I'm surprised by it. I thought Oklahoma City was awfully close, and I'm, I'm not a big Victor Oladipo fan. We'll see if they can turn him into something uh, else, but I, I, I'm a little surprised by that deal. Uh, obviously, they had to have checked with Durant on it. He wouldn't do anything at this point without Durant's knowledge. Uh, so they must believe it makes them better. You think with uh, Orlando, it's a case of uh, maybe like the Jazz, they need a veteran with some playoff experience, and they're giving up on some of the younger guys who they've seen up close, but they think a veteran can maybe move this along because they've been young and not very good in the East for quite a while now. Well, you know, Oladipo is about to get paid. He's a restricted free agent, and I think they must have decided that they didn't want to pay him. Uh, might have been the first part of it uh, coming up in a year. So that would be my first guess of what took place there. And it was clearly Alfred Payton and, and Oladipo didn't mesh last year. They had When they separated the two of us, when they played much better. So that would be my guess. And then, you know, I don't know what they're doing uh, in regards to how they're going to use Aaron Gordon because I would think he would have been your power forward. Uh, that's the future, but I also would say that a speed lineup that involved uh, Evan Fournier, who they'll probably re-sign now, now they don't have to pay Oladipo. Uh, so Fournier with Peyton, Abaka, and Aaron Gordon, that's a, that's a group that could really roll. I mean, they could really play with some incredible speed. Any real value picks late in the first round? Uh, I know it's fashionable rather than pick guys to pick franchises like the Spurs because they seem to always get value, but anybody jump out at you? Oh, I thought Wade Ball. I kind of like Wade Baldwin a little bit. Remember when we talked on uh, 
as I drove to the airport, I didn't really like anyone in this draft. So um, I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, Wade Baldwin at 17 was a player I thought had some skills. Uh, and with the, the issue with uh, Mike Conley being a free agent, that might have been a good pick by Memphis. Ante Zizic out of, uh, from Boston's an okay pick at 23. I think he'll probably go back to Europe for a year. Uh, and, you know, DeJounte Murray slid. Uh, we all kind of knew that was, there was, that wasn't a huge surprise. He slid. There were some, that was kind of the murmur around the, uh, the draft and, and he's a lot of talent. Uh, so, you know, San Antonio hopefully is the right spot for him. Uh, cause he's six, five with six, nine length and, uh, he, he's got a lot of skills. So, you know, those are the ones that I think would, you know, move that meter and make you believe this is going to be a fascinating draft to do the five years from now when teams, you know, you do the retrospective if you could redraft it because there was simply no consensus at all around the league on players' talents. There was no consensus on medical reports, and there were no consensus on uh, off-court issues either for a lot of players. So, uh, I mean, it was it's really a, it was a wild draft in the sense that just – Pick players did not go where you would have anticipated them to go. What do you think of uh, Jakob Pertl going to Toronto? How good a fit is that? I think it's okay. I mean, it's good because they have a spot for him behind Valanciunas, and so he should, you know, he should be able to play as their backup because Bismack Biombo will not resign uh, the minute they resign Demar Derozan. It's bad in the sense that when I watch Pertl, what I think his biggest strength is going to be is that he is able to move the basketball, that he can play with the ball in his hands and, and, and set guys up and, and do some of those kind of things. And I don't know that that system with the amount of one-on-one play from Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan is going to open it up for him. But it is a system that's used to playing a big in Valanciunas, so in that sense it's probably fine. All right, so the Jazz in the second round, were you surprised Trading as late as they were, that they traded down even more. Did they figure the guys they wanted weren't on anybody else's radar? So what does it really matter? And let's get get a little bit of cash too. Um, I, you know, there were a bunch of guys that were mentioned to me, and at four they were sitting, and you thought they might be able to sneak to forty two, uh, and then I think they would have drafted them one or two in particular. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say, so I'm not going to. Uh, that then got moved off the board before forty two, and so I think they at that point. Uh, they were able to get the players that they, their next tier of players that they wanted and get a little bit of cash. Uh, I think it's rather immaterial. Um, I actually kind of like Wallace a little bit. Uh, Wallace is an interesting player, their 60th pick. Uh, he's an interesting player. His usage rate at Cal in his junior year was at like 30%, and his assist rate was like at 20%. And then they brought in Rab and uh, Brown. Brown got drafted third this year, and Rab is going to be a high pick next year. And so he had to completely change his role uh, this last year. I, he's an interesting player. I, I think he, I don't, I, he'll probably play for the Stars. Uh, would be my guess, but uh, he, he's an interesting player. I don't know, if, you know, I don't know if we have enough roster spots for him to make the team, but uh, I think he's got a shot at that. Um, uh, you know, the Weaver State kids got the Croatian uh, aspect to him, so he might be able to go to Europe and be classified as a European citizen rather than an American player, which would help him uh, play in Europe, maybe develop that jumper a little bit better. Marcus Page uh, came in, had a good workout. He actually worked out with Demetrius Jackson, who went to draft the middle of the second round on Notre Dame, and actually Page gave him a pretty hard time that day. Got into him a little bit, really bothered him. Uh, 
it was interesting. I left that workout. I didn't realize at the time that the Notre Dame kid, Jackson, was supposed to be that high a draft pick because cause Paige outplayed him. It wasn't until after I realized that. Um, he was thought that way, and then he didn't. He slipped in the draft into the, into the mid-40s. Um, so Paige has been, you know, he's been a winner at North Carolina and been around. Uh, I, I would assume that's another star pick. We just don't have very many roster spots if we're really honest about it. Uh, I think there's probably going to be about three roster spots, aren't there? Uh, well, if you got three point guards and you've got well, four wings, that's seven. And then you've got uh, you've got four or five bigs, uh, maybe six bigs. That gets you thirteen, fourteen. So um, not a lot of roster. You know, I think the Jazz preference is to have fourteen on the roster with fifteen moving around and changing as the year goes on. So I always think about it at 14, so I don't think there's that many roster spots. So the whole plan with seven point guards is uh, a couple of them are getting moved and a couple of them are going to the Stars or getting cut and going overseas? How's that going to play? Yeah, i, I got to be honest. I don't know well enough what the D-League rule is on. If we dra- There's something, I think, if we draft the player and then we cut him and no one else picks him up, then he goes to the Stars. So that means that uh, Wallace and Cage are probably prime candidates to the Stars, but it also means if they play well, anyone else can pick them up is the way I understand the rule. It's not like they're our property. We just can assign them to our D-League team. Uh, so that would be, on those guys, uh, the most likely scenario on them. Um, and as I mentioned, on Joel, I think there's a chance he might be able to have European citizenship. Would might change what he's doing, or maybe he stays as well. So with Ball and Boy, I thought a lot about something you told us, uh, boy, probably the middle of the last season you came on, and you were talking about analyzing the draft and looking for trends and patterns. And one that seemed to be popping up to you was if you draft a guy who looks good on TV when fans see him, he's often a polished guy, but he may not have the measurables and the upside. Whereas you draft the guy who's raw and you've got a bunch of player development people, you can bring them along, but you can't teach height and athletic ability. And Ballenboy, he's 6'9". He averaged 17 points and 12 boards. He's a rebounding machine, a la Paul Millsap. Everyone loves that. He's got a 7'3 wingspan and I think an 88-inch reach so and a 39-inch vertical. So is that really going back to your thing on measurables? Hey, take a flyer on this guy in the second half of the second round? Yeah, I think so. I mean, measurables are really, really important. I think Marcus Page, do you have the size on Marcus Page? I don't have that in front of me. Uh, But I I think both Marcus Page and Tyrone Wallace both hit measurables too. Yeah, I think think Wallace is 6'5". And your point on that with the point guards is what the Jazz didn't have this year. Find that long point guard right. where you can switch everything. And even if you're staying with your guy and you're trailing and going over a screen, you're big enough, you're long enough, you can reach. Even if you're beaten, you can reach up and maybe get a piece of a shot or, or make a guy adjust a shot or peek over his shoulder no, the, at you. Right. The biggest adjustment the Jazz are going to have next from last year, this year's, that George Hill and Dante Exum are six nine reach guys on the pick and roll defensively. And they were far, you know, both – had six one guys at who I don't know what the reaches are. Burke's reach is actually pretty good, but Neto and uh, Trey Burke are both six one. So that that's going to be a tremendous difference for the Jazz. Hey, you know, there's only two guys sitting here on their phones in the right now. And it's me and Woj. Do you think that makes me cool? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? It's okay. you in the vertical, baby. It's you in the vertical. Yeah, it's me, me and Woj sitting right here, both on our phones. Nice. Um. You, uh, I, I haven't heard your take on the uh, on the trade and trading the uh, the twelfth pick. What did you think of that? I love the trade. I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. I, I think it's just such a 
such a great sign of how well Dennis runs the organization. Uh, it's a big picture analysis. It's an understanding of where you stand. It's an honest, he always talks about being honest about who we are. The honest reality of who we are is that our point guard tore his ACL and lost the season and is now coming back to the franchise, having played once in the last three years. And to put him in a position in which he uh, was left in, you know, with a, with a burden and a major role would have been unfair to him in, in every way, shape, or form, and also would have been unfair to his teammates to expect to necessarily win with that. So we had to go find someone to make give him a soft landing. Secondarily to that, we had to go find somebody who was big enough so that if Dante does come back and plays well, you're, they both can play together and get their minutes. If you go sign a Jeff T who's 6'1", and Dante suddenly can play, and, and is really re- ready to go and playing 25, 30 minutes, which is what everybody hopes. Well, then Jeff Teague's only playing 16, 17. He's a malcontent. But in this circumstance, if you go get a big guard, you are able to play them together. There were only two of them, in my mind, that were available in the entire league. One of them was George Hill, and the other is Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday has serious leg issues uh, that would be what could have potentially been very problematic to his availability. So really, in some ways, you could argue there was only one guy available, and they went and got him. They paid a price. Paying a price for a 12th pick of a draft, it's a price. There's no there's no question. Now, this draft was a little funky, a little weird, may turn out to not be very good. And over time, that may – but there'll be – but I promise you, there'll be somebody who was drafted after 12 that was good. We'll all look back. You know, we can cherry-pick one or two guys and say, oh, we could have had that guy. But at the time for the franchise, it was a win-now trade – it was one, the one or two guys you could get, and then the guy they got is I really like George Hill an awful lot. He's he's solid, defensive minded. He was terrific two years ago as the primary player on the Pacers. Uh, he's a beautiful compliment to the team. He's got veteran experience, played seventy playoff games. I can go on and on. I think it's a fabulous move. It's a win now move. It's terrific. Uh, I got four or five texts from people around the league that said, "Welcome to fifty wins." Say that one more time in case people weren't paying attention. Welcome to what? 50 wins. Ooh, I think Jazz fan likes the way that sounds. Uh, what do you think happens to the starting lineup now? Exum, Hill, or Hood? I assume one of them has to come off the bench. And then also what happens to the finishing lineup? Well, I think the finishing lineup would be day-to-day depending on matchups and who you're playing and who's playing well, and Quinn's always been very good about that. Starting lineup, I, I would suspect uh, when the year starts that you start George Hill just because of his experience and who he is, but I have no knowledge of that. And it obviously will dictate on how people play in training camp. I mean, to really make any assessment of that right now would be foolish. We have no idea. Dante's got a long way to go between, I mean, not a long way to go in the sense of he has a long way to go. There's a lot of time between now and then for him. I mean, he has decided not to play with the Olympic. He's working five on five with our guys uh, right now. A bunch of guys have come into town to help Dante uh, work on that in in those circumstances so that he's doing it in a constructive environment and it's only June and he's got all of July and all of August and all of September and he, he could be really ready to go. He's a special kid. You never know what might be we might see in October. David Locke joined us from New York where he went for the draft and then sat for 51 picks and patiently waited. Now the draft is over. Do you expect another addition to this roster? Do you think they're going to get one more veteran one more big guy, a shooter, maybe someone who plays both the forward positions, but someone who's a more 6'9", 6'10", guy? The only thing I look at the roster and I think it really needs right now is a shooting five. Um, that's that's the only position that I see on the roster. We don't have the capability right now to put five guys out on the floor, all of them who can shoot. 
Um, I think that would be the next addition that you could add for Quinn to be able to have that. The, the one aspect of this lineup of what happened um, in the George Hill deal that I don't think I've heard talked about enough is that Gordon Hayward can now play some power forward. Um, Gordon can go play some four because you have enough wings to play one, two, and three that allows Gordon to slide down to four. We didn't have that last year, so every time you slid Gordon to four, you had Joe Ingles on the floor, and then Joe was really sliding to four, and that didn't work great. So this is that's a nice addition to George Hill, allows that. But, I, you know, there's 48 times three, which I can't quite do. It's 130-something of minutes. Um, Actually, maybe it's more than that. Isn't it? 144. Yeah, maybe 144. 144. 144. I think that uh, you know your your guards are set really nicely. It's it's George Hill, Dante Exum, uh, Hayward, Hood, Alec Burks, Joe Ingles is your sixth. That'll easily put together. Um, that easily puts together your your minutes there. And then Shelvin Macker, Howell Meadow is a fabulous third guard. I mean, we've talked, I think, previously on the show about adding depth from the top down, and that's what they did. And so now the team's, you know, much deeper. So you can put that together quite nicely uh, with that combination of of players. And then from the big standpoint, I think you have – um, a nice mix as well. I think Lyles is ready if he rebounds to play an awful lot. You've got Favors and Gobert. And then your next step is I think you add that shooting big I've talked about. You have Jeff Withy probably on the roster uh, and all still available to you as a backup center in case guys are injured and you need real minutes. And you probably add a third uh, you know, power forward of some sort. Uh, I guess it could be Trevor returning or it could be somebody else. Um, depending where you are, maybe ball and boy makes the lineup, you know, makes the roster at that point. All right, David, we appreciate it. Safe travels home. And, uh, we'll see when you get back here and see what happens as we get to July with free agency. There'll probably be a bunch more interesting stories around the league and who knows, maybe even one here. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Thanks, David. My pleasure. Talk to you later.